Yeah, I've been given this topic, uh, the greatness of God. It, um, I've really put it around more to a personal side to say, how great is your God? How great is my God? How great is our God? But this morning I'd really like you to just to have that sense of asking yourself the question, how great is your God? Um, it's a little bit like answering the question of um, how long is that piece of string, the ends of which you've never seen, you know? It's uh, something that you cannot quite get a handle on, isn't it? Uh, but the Apostle Paul tells us that we can know something about the greatness of God as God reveals himself to us. And that's really what I wanted to share in the reading. I'm going to read some verses from Ephesians chapter 1. And this is Paul really saying we can know uh, as God reveals himself to us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, and I'll read from verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world, but in the world to come. Uh, so that's Paul's prayer. He's praying to God that the, in this particular case, the church at Ephesus, that they would know uh, something of that greatness of the God uh, that they worshipped. And the Apostle John um, tells us that the Lord Jesus reveals to us something, everything of that greatness of God. He said, no one has ever seen God at any time, but the one and only Son himself, God, is near the Father's heart and he has revealed him to us. So I just want to start with that emphasis that you won't find the greatness of God by rational thinking. You can watch as many of those as you like. In fact, David Lund has written... Uh, or at least three or four of those, and he never runs out of those one-liners because he's describing God. But, you know, it's something in your heart to really know the greatness of God, and God's got to reveal it to you, and you've got to seek it yourself, and you seek it from his word as he reveals himself. So he revealed himself, yes, truly in creation, the great God who did all that from nothing, uh, but he also reveals himself in his word, so you need to spend time there. And then in his word, you find out how he reveals himself in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who took on flesh. And John, when he wrote that, uh, John would have spent, what, three years in the company of Jesus, and he could say that this was the one who reveals God to us. Well, this morning, I just want to take three different approaches to answering that question, because I know 
there are many approaches, but three approaches this morning. And so the first answer to the question of how great is your God, I'm going to say I simply don't know. Why? Because I can't measure it. You know, if I was to ask you, you know, how great is one of your sports stars, one of your tennis stars, got a few tennis fans here, you know, Roger Federer, how great's Roger Federer, uh, then you'll probably tell me that uh, he's won so many tournaments, he's been successful here, and all, all that, he's a great guy too. Uh, but you know you've got something you can measure. But when it comes to saying how great is God, then all of God's attributes are immeasurable. They are beyond measure. They are infinite. Uh, and you'll never be able to quantify any of the attributes of God uh, like that. So the best that I can do in really answering that question is to say, I'll tell you, I'll relay to you what God has revealed of himself. Uh, and even then, God's revelation of himself uh, is limited by our capacity to understand. We are the creature and he is the creator. Uh, so there is a limit, but nevertheless... God knows our limit. God knows us through and through. And he will reveal to us that which we can understand of himself. But we need to seek it. Uh, and that's uh, a lesson that we really need to grasp. Greatness of God sounds great. I mean, if you make someone a God, then you're making them great, aren't you? In that sort of sense, in your view. But God is revealing us to us himself just how great he, he is. And that's what Paul was saying here. He was saying that God would give you spiritual wisdom and insight that you may grow in the knowledge of him and he would flood your hearts with light, enabling you to first understand and then to know uh, something of his greatness. So it's as we spend time seeking God in his word and praying to him that he then talks to us and reveals to us and it might be in our hearts, might be in something of the circumstances that are on around us, but God promises he will reveal himself to us. I sometimes uh, like to let my imagination run when I'm reading some of the scriptures, particularly early uh, chapters of Genesis. We start a new year and we're into Genesis, aren't we, uh, if we're reading through the scriptures. Um, how God created Adam in his own image and he showed him all that he created. Just picture that for a minute. He shows Adam his plants and his trees and his animals and his fish and his birds and the creeping things, all the, the little things that crawl on the ground. And he even shows him that there's an internal watering system that comes on every night, you know, and it just, uh, keeps things fresh and alive. Uh, and then he says to Adam that you are the pinnacle of that and you reign over all that. And Adam here, he can... He can sense these things, the greatness of God and the things that he touches, you know, the physical things. That, so he's going to sense that in his uh, sight and his hearing and his taste and his touch, his smell. And, and I just imagine all those things going on in the earth were, were something of a sort of uh, common point of conversation between Adam and, and God when, when they met in the, uh, in the cool of the evening. And uh, I guess Adam was expressing uh, his enjoyment and his thankfulness and all that. Uh, and there is a sense there, I think, that God can provide all the needs that you've got, Adam. Uh, it's, it's almost taken as a norm that he's got the power, he's got the desire, 
and he's got even the anticipation to meet Adam's needs. He even works out that Adam needs a partner, and even before Adam thought of it, I guess. Uh, and so God is meeting Adam's needs. Uh, there were no sort of unanswered questions or unmet needs. Uh, and you think, well, now, what's Adam's view of the greatness of God? And so what does God want to reveal to Adam? Well, there was just one attribute of God that God wanted Adam to truly understand about him. All this display of the greatness of God, he could take in his stride. But God had a lesson for his spirit that was related to the knowledge of good and evil. He had to know something about God that was just so critical to his greatness. He had to come to know that God and God alone establishes what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is false, and what is good and what is bad. Uh, and that was the one most important thing that God wanted Adam to know about his greatness. And you know, until we come to that point, there's nothing else you need to know. There's nothing more important that you need to know about the greatness of God than the fact that he establishes absolute truth. He establishes what is right and wrong. And we can't live our lives thinking that we can do what we want, what we think is right. We can't make a God who says that what I think is right is right and what I think is right. No, he sets the absolute truth. We can't make a God who wouldn't do this or wouldn't do that based on our understanding or our thinking. Uh, and so my very first approach to the questioning how great is your God, uh, is that I want you to understand that each of us uh, cannot truly know how great God is until we understand that we fall short of that standard that he has set, the glorious standard that is his standard, because he is the holy God. He is the one true God and what he says is true is true and we cannot question it and so uh, hold that in your mind that's my first approach to the answering the question of how great is your God Sorry, I'll just do it. so my second approach to the question is uh something that uh, I think we can all relate to if you're parents. And all parents of teenagers uh, are well acquainted with this approach to answering a question. You know, your, your teenage son or your teenage daughter uh, perhaps has just uh, passed their test for their driver's licence and you uh, sense there's a question in the air, you know. There's a question in the air and you say, you get in first and you say, the answer's no. What's the question? Uh, you know, it's a, a very good way of answering a question. Well, if you've got something in specific in mind when you want to ask that question is how great is your God, then there is a very simple answer. Greater than. Whatever is that question that you've got, God answer 
is greater than. Uh, you can just fill in the blanks. Uh, whatever is your issue, whatever it is that you want to ask about God's greatness, the answer is he's greater than. And uh, I'd like to think of uh, some of those characters that Jesus met. Uh, my, two of my favourite, I think, are those the two blind men that Jesus met. Uh, get, let me just read from Matthew chapter 9. Um, in verse 27, it says that Jesus went on from there. Two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind men came and asked him, do you, and, asked, and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Jesus asked them that question. And they said, yes, Lord. Uh, and then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, it will be done to you. And their sight was restored. The reason I like it is it's sort of like this, you know. What's the problem? Well, we're blind. Do you believe that I'm greater than your problem? Greater than your blindness? Yes, Lord. Problem solved. You see, it's the profound simplicity of that encounter that really just strikes on my heart as to understanding what it is uh, to answer that question of how great is your God. Jesus said a number of times and gave a lot of examples. He said uh, in, Matthew th in Mark 11, he said, have faith in God. I tell you the truth that if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart and believes what he says will happen, it will be done to him. And he says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believing you have received it and it will be yours and it will be yours. Uh, and uh, the chapter before in, in Mark chapter 10 in relation to the rich man who uh, uh, went away uh, because he didn't want to give up his riches and follow Jesus and uh, how shall he enter the kingdom of, of heaven with man this is impossible but not with God all things are possible with God uh, and I like uh, the apostle John when uh, in John, 1 John chapter 4 uh, John is talking about the sorts of things that, that we experience day by day and he's talking about all those false things that come our way. They're called false spirits but anything that is denies the truth and, and he says, my dear children, you are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world, greater than. Uh, and, and that's the sort of sense that we need to have when we're talking about the greatness of God. He's greater than. And whatever the issue is, the answer is always going to be greater than. Even when Paul uh, was uh, commending the Philippians for uh, the uh, generosity of their gifts to support him, he, he then turned it back and said, but my God shall supply all your needs. You've been supplying my needs, but my God shall supply all your needs and he'll do it uh, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So life always has its challenges, you know, whether we're... At, growing up in our teenage years, whether we're uh, getting our family together or whether we're in our work or whatever, and there are always times when we trip up and we fail. Uh, we, we, we never quite meet even the, our own standards of what we think uh, is good in our, I don't know, in our scholarship at school or in our family. There's always something that we think, oh, we could have done better or, uh, or else we've wrote a real boo-boo about something. Uh, but... The question that we need to, to be able to just 
bring to the very forefront of our mind is whatever that need is. Uh, God is greater than it. God is greater. And if we are able to uh, grasp that and bring that need to him in prayer, in earnest prayer, then it's his promise, and God keeps his promises, it is promise that he will meet those needs. He's simply waiting for us to claim that promise because he is greater than. And in fact, faith unleashes the greatness of God in any circumstances. Trusting him unleashes his greatness in any circumstance of life. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in fact, even went further in his experiences and he could say uh, that he knew that God had plans uh, even beyond his, his, his own imagination and he said uh, this in Ephesians chapter 3, he said, Now to him he was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And he said uh, in, in 1 Corinthians, he says, Eyes not seen nor ear heard, it hasn't even entered into our heart the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But he's revealed them to us through his spirit. So God uh, will reveal to us that which we need to know about his greatness as we come to him and as we seek him. And that's such an important principle uh, for us to understand. So that's my second approach to that question. How big is your God? Well, the answer is he's greater than if only you will trust him in those sets of circumstances in which you ask that question. Uh, so then your God is not only and firstly the one who uh, is true and sets the truth and uh, knows what is right, sets what is right, what is wrong, <coughs> but he's also in his greatness uh, meeting your, uh, your needs according to his promises when you believe him. Um, I like to think right back to his very first choice in making human beings, you and I, in his own image. Why? What was his purpose? Well, I'll tell you, one of his purposes was that he might bless us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Every spirit. I mean, his generosity... That's, what he, that's why he created us in his image, so that he could bless us. Uh, and that's, that's his purpose, that's his heart. And we've got to just grasp that whenever we uh, have an issue that we want to bring to him. Uh, just remember that he's greater than. So that just brings me to the third approach to that question, um, how big is your God? Uh, I don't want to leave you with that sort of sense that is sort of some Father Christmas type uh, and his greatness is measured by the fact that he has almost an infinite supply of, uh, of gifts and, uh, and a boundless generosity to provide it. I don't want to leave you with that, that image because my third approach to that answering that question is this. God's greatness is revealed more closely than his, in his poverty, than in his riches. God's greatness is revealed more clearly in his poverty than in his riches. You know, unless you understand that truth, 
you probably have a lopsided view of God. You really probably don't have any real personal experience of the greatness of God. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthians, he said this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich, might become rich. Paul there was referring to the Corinthians to the generosity of the churches in Macedonia who, he said, had given beyond their ability to give. They had given out of their poverty to meet the needs of the Christians in Jerusalem. Uh, and I, my thoughts just go to what Paul said about the poverty of God in Philippians chapter 2. And we know those verses, I'm sure. He said, let us mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery, not, not something to grasp after to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. This is Jesus divesting himself of everything that he valued as the son of God. And even in earthly terms, it was said of him that uh, he didn't have somewhere to lay his head. He said, you know, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So if you really want to know how great is your God, you need to look at what he has revealed of himself in his poverty. In his poverty at the cross. You know, there you see his great love his love for me he loved him he loved me and gave himself for me in his poverty there we see his great mercy uh, his mercy that took the punishment due to me so that I am free I, it's just as if I'd never sinned when I believe in him because he didn't just let, take some he took all the punishment that was due to me so that that which I deserve he took and that's mercy his great mercy if you want to understand the greatness of God you look at what he revealed in his poverty his great mercy and his great power uh, it's seen in experience uh, in his poverty where he, he conquered in his death that last enemy he conquered death and through death he destroyed the one who had the power of death. So his greatness, the greatness of your God, is seen and experienced more when you contemplate and grasp the sacrifice that led him to the cross for you and where he became poor for you, uh, that through his poverty you might be rich. Uh, there's so many verses that would point us to that in the scriptures uh, you need to search them out you know things like his love but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us uh, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins he made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved he said Paul said that in Ephesians uh, we know that a, a human thought is greater love is no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends but God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And I like to, the way Paul puts it in, in Romans when he says that he who did not spare his own son, 
but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So there at the cross, we see his love, his great love. And we see his great mercy. Paul uh, said, uh, sorry, Peter said, praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So although our sins are many, his mercy is great, isn't it? Uh, it's great mercy that answers the righteous requirements of that great God who establishes truth and yet we fall short of it and yet he fully pardons us. That's mercy. That's his great mercy. And we see that in his poverty at the cross. Uh, that's the way that he reveals to us something of his greatness. And his great power, of course, was revealed in his poverty. There he is laying in the, in the grave. Absolutely nothing. No, no I mean, everybody who saw, would see that would say, he's done <laughs> in his poverty. And yet death could not hold him because there was no sin in him. He had not sin. He knew no sin. Death could not hold him, and he rose victorious from the grave. Uh, and that's what that verse was, and we read in Ephesians chapter 1, that we might know the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who, who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and uh, seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. So while we see God's creation, power in creation, uh, and we can look back and, in history and see God's power and things like when he held back the Red Sea and the Israelites moved over on dry ground, nevertheless, we see the real greatness of his power in his poverty, raised from the dead, gave everything, but he conquered death conquered the grave and he rose victorious and there's just so much more you could find of the greatness of God in his poverty at the cross the greatness of his wrath the greatness of his glory uh, all revealed to us uh, but I just want to leave you then perhaps with just one picture it's a picture of a sandwich I suppose uh, that to bring together the three approaches that I had in mind. Uh, you know, if you uh, bite a sandwich, what do you bite first? <laughs> the bread? Yeah, you see the, the two slices of bread and something in the middle that uh, you don't quite know to start with. Um, well, firstly, you taste that first slice of bread. And I just have that picture as you tasting that God alone establishes what is true and what is false and what is right and wrong and what is good for you and what is bad for you. Uh, it's to him that we have to give an account. Let's understand that greatness of God. That's the very first taste that you have of the greatness of God that you have grasped. Uh, and it's the essential grasp. Don't grasp that, you don't grasp anything of the greatness of God. And then you get to the back part of the sandwich and you taste that. And that's the very important thing that we've just been talking about now, that in his poverty he met our greatest need. 
we could not meet that standard. We all fall short of that standard. But in his poverty, he met our need through his love, through his grace, through his power, his great love, his great mercy, his great power. Uh, and we see that and we, we not only see it, but we believe it, we understand it when we believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shed his blood so that he could answer that sin question that kept us away from God uh, and, and by shedding his blood for us, he made it possible for us to be right with God. So if we want to know the greatness of God, we want to be there right with God, then we've got to understand what he showed us, what he revealed to us of his greatness in his poverty at the cross. And if you've got those two bits of the sandwich right, then you start to get to the middle. Uh, and that's really where you get to the greatness of God, where you get that greater than, because you are then able to experience the greater than because you are trusting a God who not only set the truth, not only established what was right and wrong, but when we couldn't meet it, he met our need for it. And then his generosity comes in. And you can ask him anything. If you've got the two bits of the sandwich tasted right, then you can start to taste what's in the middle, the greater than, the filling in the sandwich. Because when God created you in his image, it was for that purpose, that he might bless you, that he might pour out his blessings on you. And in his generosity, he wants to be able to answer that question with greater than whatever need we bring to him. And uh, you only get to enjoy that greatness when you've really sort of got stuck into the sandwich at either end and made them real. Uh, and then you can start to taste what it is when God says greater than. So these are, are things which God is just revealing to us in his word. We're not going to get it by rational thinking, are we? We've got to read what he says, what he reveals to us. We've got to pray it through in that sense of saying, I really want to know how great you are and whether we are on that journey. You know, we're all on a journey somewhere in, in eating that sandwich. <laughs> we're either looking at it and saying, oh, I don't think God is the one that I want. You know, I don't, I don't try, I want to set my own rules. We haven't started learning the greatness of God. But if you've got through those, those two critical revelations of his greatness in who he is, the one true God, and how he's dealt with a sin question, then you can come to him and you can ask him anything, anything in his name. And he said, if you believe that you'll receive it, you will, because I am greater than. Yeah. So how great is your God?